Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco. Kevin, uh, continuing on through the Minnesota Wild organization, uh, a, a tough week for the, the big club. So let's begin there. Um, just your overall thoughts on the Minnesota Wild this week. I think you said right. It's, uh, it was a tough week, and it started off with the uh, news that goalie Marc-Andre Fleury was going to be on inch reserved and out for over a week where Philip Gustafson was going to have to be your goaltender. And with a team like uh, Pittsburgh coming to town that can score in a hurry, even though they were struggling this year, it was just not a good combo for a wild team that's not scoring many goals right now. So even though they were able to put up four, um, the wild gave up five and an empty netter. And frankly, Two of the goals were very stoppable, and but uh, a good bounce back on Saturday night against a team like uh, Carolina, who's doing well, but they're injured a little bit themselves too. But the Wild, you know, it was looking pretty dire for a while. Thought they were going to get shut out. Late goal by Sam Steele, and then a storybook finish with. Alex Galagowski only playing his second or third game of the year, getting an overtime goal on the night that they celebrated his um, 1,000th game in the NHL. I mean, you couldn't write up much better than that. And you hope that they ride the momentum from that uh, onto uh, a nice little streak because they've, they are in the middle of a very long homestand right now. So they need to start racking some points up. Last week you talked about the team was making a refocus, we'll call it, on being more defensive-minded. And with um, Flurry out, do, do you see that becoming an even greater focus of the team, believing that they have to win two-to-one games or something to try to protect their goaltender and limit the number of shots that either Gustafson or Zane McIntyre, who moved up, um, will take? Well, in the loss to Nashville, in which uh, that was the game in which Flurry did get hurt, it was uh, one of those games. It was a two to one game. Right now, the Wild, it's a two prong approach as to why they need to be better in their defensive end. It's because they're the Flurry being out, and frankly, it's because they're not scoring a lot of goals right now, where they're not going to win the. the the, the five to four games right now, they they need to limit the goals against and try to scratch out a few and and get the get the victories in the more of the grease way as opposed to scoring five goals with highlight film type of plays to score them. So gonna have to be a more of a gritty team right now. The hearsay is uh Fleury can come off the injured list on Wednesday. Mike Russo of the Athletic is speculating that we could see Flurry back in the net as soon as Friday afternoon against Toronto. So, you know, help could be on the way, and that would be a good that'd be a lift for this Wild team. Three, five, and one at home this season, as you mentioned, a lot of home games coming up here. What does this team do to kind of get things turned around here? that they, they were clearly awesome at home last season, dominating for the most part at um, XL Energy Center. What does this team need to do to get that kind of performance again? 
I think they need to find their identity. And, you know, just as I was talking about, I think their identity is going to be a hardworking, gritty team. You know, it's a, it's a different cast from last year. You know, you got guys like Connor Dewar and Mason Shaw, Sam Steele, guys that um, are more your lunchbox type of players. Um, you lost you lost a lot of uh, scoring with Kevin Fiala leaving, and Matt Hartman has been out for half a month now, and you've got guys that had career seasons last year that aren't having them. Jordan Greenway is still out. so you got to find your identity as a team that's going to work hard to get goals and work even harder to prevent them. And, you know, um, what's that saying that goes? Um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Very true. Very true indeed. Well, as you mentioned, so begin the week with San Jose, a 3-2 shootout loss. Um, the team winds up taking a 2 nothing lead. San Jose battles back with two late third-period goals. Um, the two goals come within a span of a little less than two minutes in this contest to force the shootout. And then uh, San Jose winds up scoring after Minnesota takes the lead in the shootout and by scoring in the second round. Um, San Jose gets a goal in the third and then wins it in the fourth round to wind up coming out with a 3-2 victory. Uh, I guess you're, you know, you want the victory out of this thing, but points matter at home right now. And, and um, I think at this point you got to, I think you try to take something away from a victory like that, believing that, hey, at least we're getting some points on this and we're we're trying to get some kind of momentum going. It was a point, but it was not a good point. As I, the Wild took the early lead and just never built on it. And eventually they left the Sharks back in the game. And frankly, the, Game-tying goal, although Philip Gustafson did have a good game, I think he definitely would have liked to have that game-tying goal back. Nashville wins 2-1 to two nights later as they score two first-period goals. Frederick Gaudreau comes up with a third-period tally uh, a little less than a minute into the frame to try to cut the deficit in half, but they're not able to do much after that. No no disrespect to, to, to Saros, but uh, I... I mean, he he's played pretty well, but but isn't that kind of dominating? I was a little surprised they could not get better scoring chance against them or just weren't able to put the puck in the net. They've never really done that good against Sorrells. If you look at his all-time record against Minnesota, it's been very good. I believe this. I thought I saw his goals against against Minnesota was under two, so he's just a goalie that seems to have the wild number. A couple of nights later, lose to Pittsburgh. Uh, the Penguins score two goals in the first. Minnesota battles back to tie the score in the second with a couple of goals, but uh, Chris Letang and Sidney Crosby put this game away pretty much, and then it's 7-4 victory. Like you said, Pittsburgh is a, a high-flying kind of team, and you know you're going to have to come up with goals, and it just looked like this was just a bad matchup after wind up losing Flurry a couple nights before. It was... Uh... Tough start for the Wild, but they bounced back. They tied it at two, but well, the two goals in the second period, and then the one on the five-on-three advantage. You know, you get a Pittsburgh might not be the the youngest team anymore, but boy, they've got uh, you know Malkin, Crosby, and Latang are still impact players. And I mean, Latang just rifled a shot in for a power play goal, and 
they look like men versus boys on that five-on-three advantage. On Saturday, they come away with a two-to-one victor- two victory in a shootout. As Kevin mentioned, um, Alex Golagoski scores the game winner, one twelve into overtime to give the team the win. They're trailing one nothing. Come back to get a late goal in the third uh, to to tie that to tie that contest and force the overtime session. You know, Kevin, as you look forward into this upcoming week here. Uh, with just a couple of games uh, starting on Wednesday against Winnipeg, then coming home, then staying at home for Toronto on Friday, and then Arizona comes to town on Sunday. Having those three days off like that, I, I think from a psyche point, having a few days like that, it's nice to have those days off knowing you're coming away with a victory. It was definitely a morale booster, and like I alluded to in the fashion in which it happened, it was uh... – for those that didn't see, it was a very emotional Alex Galagoski after the game has been a tough season for him. You know, a guy that's been an NHL regular his entire career, and now he's been getting scratched most of the time. It sounds like um, he'll slot in for the game on Wednesday, and I guess he'll go from there. You know, you don't – guy gets a game-winning goal. You, I mean, you got got to go back to him, right? <laughs> it would seem that way. It's tough. Uh, Winnipeg's playing very good hockey, and then uh, you got the Maple Leafs, a very talented Maple Leaf club coming in for the Friday afternoon game. So it's not going to be easy for the Wild, and, you know, Arizona can be pretty pesky also. We saw last season where the Coyotes were down and out, and they came into Minnesota and handed to the Wild on their home ice. So nothing's going to be given to you, but that's, yeah, I think it's um, it's momentum for Minnesota, but you, you have to build upon it. And, and let's talk about that. Winnipeg is, is having a solid season, um, has been a team over the last few years that hasn't really made a lot of noise in that central division, but they have played Minnesota extremely well and have not been an easy team for this club to face at all. And, uh, you know, right before Thanksgiving like that, I you know, I, I feel like this is, this determines this week. If they have a very tough night against Winnipeg, facing Toronto isn't getting any easier. So you really need to put your best foot forward right off the bat. It's usually a pretty fiery, pretty fun matchup with Winnipeg. And the part that it doesn't agree well with Minnesota is that Winnipeg generally is going to be a very fast team, and it just seems like Minnesota has a hard time matching that. And Connor Hellebuck is back to playing some pretty good goaltender again, and when he's on, he's pretty tough to beat, too, and it should be a fun atmosphere in St. Paul as the fans in Winnipeg tend to find a way to get tickets to St. Paul, and they make that trip down I-29 and over I-94 on and into St. Paul, so should be a fun night of hockey on Wednesday. Uh, how are you feeling about this point about Gustafson? 2.86 goals against average, .906 save percentage. He looks like he's he's holding his own. Is that something that kind of an aberration at this point, or are you thinking he could be the real deal for the team? Well, the you know, I don't know how many times I'm going to say this, but leaning on Michael Russo, what he hears from scouts is that Gustafson is a marginal NHL goalie and – you know, the bugaboo, I think, for him, you know, Russo even brought up the Dean Evanson in the post-game press scrum on, on Thursday night. Is he seems to have a hard time picking up shots where he's green. 
if he gets a good look at the puck, he'll make the he'll make the save. And you know, he stopped a couple of breakaways during the game on Thursday night, but then a partially screened shot from just inside the blue line from McCann of Pittsburgh finds his way to the back of the net, and I mean those kind of goals are just uh, morale crushers. So, you know, I don't know how many times I say this, a good goalie makes every save he's supposed to and a few that he's not. And if Gustafson wants to be a guy that can play maybe 30 games with Minnesota, he's going to have to make the basic saves and cut down on the cut down on the morale-killing bad goals. Minnesota enters the week at... 8-8-2, eight, eight, and two, 18 points tied with St. Louis and Nashville for fourth place uh, in the Central Division. Let's jump down to the AHL. Iowa Wild uh, right now entering this week come in at 6-4-4 four, and four in fourth place in the Central Division, uh, currently two points behind both Manitoba and Texas. An interesting week because, Kevin, the team gets hammered on Friday night at home against Milwaukee then goes to Milwaukee and loses in, in a, in a uh, overtime in that contest to the Admirals 2-1, to one. then goes down to Chicago, a, a team that they were just getting hammered by the last couple of years, especially in Chicago, and comes away with a 5-1 to one victory. Uh, this time, team's a, a little difficult to determine sometimes, I think. It was an interesting three-game stretch, that was for sure. I just kind of run through a little bit of the game on Friday night. It just did not seem like the a wild were into it at all and Milwaukee pretty much had their way with them. It was I imagine that it had to be a bit of a wake up call for Jesper Volstead after having that huge um first victory in Chicago the weekend before because it just was not his night and kinda of made the stats look a little ugly going into Sunday. But then, you know, going into Saturday night, this team, this team found its identity. And I just, I don't know what it is. When it was one nothing, I'm looking at my phone, I'm thinking, I was about ready to text you and say, you watch, they're going to give up a goal in the third and then lose in overtime. And that's exactly how it seemed to play out. And it did work out that way for him. Uh, Two-to-one loss in Milwaukee. Hunter Jones looked very good in this game. And it, uh, for fans out there, when uh, Zane McIntyre called up to the NHL team, um, Kevin wrote to me right off the bat and said, hey, uh, we're going to see what Jones is all about because he came back to the AHL. He looked very good on Saturday evening. It's encouraging. You know, like I said, it would have been nice to see him get the shutout and have him come out with the one nothing victory. But, it was a good showing for him, so you hope that he seizes this opportunity. And who knows how long he's going to have it, because if Flurry is back in Minnesota sooner than later, McIntyre will be sent back down, and then, of course, the the dominoes um, will fall, and Jones will likely be back with the Heartlanders playing full-time with them. But it's good that he, is, that he made a good impression on Saturday night. Kiefer Sherwood was a uh, serious nemesis for the Wild this past weekend. Two goals on Friday night, had one on Saturday, and the tying goal in that game. Um, so glad to see him leaving, <laughs> leaving down at that point. Then go down to Chicago, Kevin, and come away with a decisive victory. First of all, great rebound effort by Ballstead. 
No doubt about it. Uh, and, you know, that shows that he's got some maturity to him, that he was able to forget about the, the rough outing in Des Moines on Friday night and went out and played a solid game for the Wild, and Wild rewarded him with some scoring support, and lost at uh, beat Chicago for the second time in eight days. Stephen Fogarty gets his second goal of the weekend, scoring the first tally for Iowa on uh, on Sunday afternoon. Sammy Walker, though, seven goals and seven assists for this team right now, Kevin, in uh, 14 games. I, I, I not exactly. It sounded like the team wasn't exactly sure what they were going to get in from him for, from the rookie in his first season. But man, I, I you know I don't know if they were anticipating these kind of numbers, and it sounded like they weren't. But boy, he really has moved himself up the ladder in terms of prospects, I would gather. I've seen Walker play the last four years at the University of Minnesota, and frankly, there were glimpses where he played some good hockey, but I just did not expect it to turn out like this for him at the pro level. But, you know, there are, sometimes there are guys that they're, they are more comfortable playing at the pro level where it's going to be a tight second game and, you know, the, the spaces aren't going to be there like you have in college with the bigger ranks. And maybe the pro game is just a better fit for Walker. Yeah, what, I, what I like about him, too, very consistent. It hasn't been like he scored a couple of goals and then you're waiting for six or seven for him to come up with something else or he goes five games without a point or something like that. His longest streak without a point this season is just two games. I believe, let's see, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So 14 of his games, he's had, uh, 10 of the 14 games, he's had at least one point in. So it's a guy you can count on to continually deliver for you. And, you know, uh, I don't know what the, right now, if the Minnesota Wild are giving him a, a, a closer look, but, boy, he's he's making it hard to ignore. I think they, they want to just give him a full season in the minors and just get used to the pro style of game. I don't. I don't think there's any rush to bring him up. And as we saw, Nick Sweeney also had this sort of start last year, and he disappeared for quite a while. So I think they want to see a bigger, a bigger piece of work from from Walker, just to see if um, this is just a hot streak or if he could be consistently a point producer. Now, one thing I've liked about this wild team, uh, Kevin. You know, you can look at it. They have one goal on, on um, Friday night, one goal on Saturday night. You come away with seven goals over the weekend, but five goals on Sunday I think is important because with a lot of these guys called up to the NHL level, you're starting to question, okay, well, who's going to be the goal scorer in here? And you're getting guys like Sammy Walker, they're producing. Joe Hicketts has looked better. Steven Fogarty all of a sudden is catching fire for this team. I feel like they're starting to find some guys they can depend on to give her, to deliver goals for them. I think they've come to grips that Mason Shaw's not coming back. <laughs> but one guy who could be coming back that's rumored up here is Marco Rossi, as Rossi has struggled with the uh, with the NHL Wild, and they're thinking he might need a stint in Iowa just to find his confidence again. So don't be surprised. Nick Patan has been called up to the, the big club. Jordan Greenway's ready to come back to the big club. So don't be surprised if um, Marco Rossi finds himself in Iowa for a weekend or two just to find his game again, and that would be a 
pretty good boost to the Wild down there. This week, uh, the Iowa Wild have huge, huge series as they travel out to Colorado with games on Friday and Saturday. Friday's game is at uh, 8 o'clock Iowa time, uh, 3 o'clock, or 4 o'clock Iowa time on on Saturday. I'm going to give uh, Colorado stats. So first place in the Pacific Division, 10-5-1. This team has been very good, 7-2-1 in their last 10 games. Uh, Eight-game streak of scoring at least, the team recording at least one point out there. Um, boy, when you're trying to to get going, uh, not not the kind of team you want to face, but sometimes facing the big boys is the way you get a rally going there. And that was just a, it seems like Loveland is just a really tough place for a team to go into and get wins. It seems like the Wild generally have struggled out there. I know they generally fill the place up on a nightly basis, and it just it's just really tough for road teams to go in there and come out with points. So it should be a pretty good test for this Wild Club. Beautiful arena. Uh, fans, if you haven't been out there, to, to go out there and see the Colorado Eagles stadium and i wish it, the name was popping into my head but it's not right now a uh, fantastic place to go see games Be- beautiful location for sure if my dog agrees so let's uh let's move down to the iowa heartlanders kevin and uh, had an opportunity came back with a nice rally on sunday to tie kalamazoo to force overtime but fall in a shootout and just come away with one point i thought it showed a lot of character that they did come back like they did i thought they played a really solid game. They just were having trouble finding a way to get the puck in the net until the third period. But they give them credit. They worked hard and finally were rewarded in the third period. And although the shootout didn't go like they liked, they were able to at least get a point in front of the home crowd. And maybe that'll be something they can build upon. Well, let me ask you about that part, Kevin, because last season you talked about how the team was just trying to be better with, with each game. You know, you're, you're the brand-new club. You're trying to establish yourself. And so you want to be better in the second period in games than you were in the first. You want to make sure that this game is a little bit better than the previous game. This is a team that is really struggling to try to figure things out right now. So do you take those kind of victories at this point where you say, hey, look, we were a little better today than we were last Saturday in Wichita or because you're a second-year team, you can't really have that mentality anymore. I really don't consider this club to even – it almost seems like it's the inaugural season part, too, because it seems like most of the club that was there last year are gone, and they've, they're not replacing with the guys that are experienced. It seems like it's once again a team with a lot of rookies on it that are still trying to find their way in the ECHL. So. And I find that a little difficult in a market in which you're going to really have to prove yourself if you want to draw fans. I just don't think this is the right area to have a expansion like team two years in a row. It would have been nice to see this team go out and get some veteran ECHL guys that know how to win in the league and start building a winning culture in Iowa and putting some butts in the seats. You know, coaching staff is, is fairly new. Assistant taken over after the head coach last year winds up heading for Europe. Um, so, you know, you're trying to get your feet wet here as well. But, 
get off all off season to really start building this club out there. So you can't use an excuse of you're a brand new guy. You know, you're around here for a while. So um, I, I agree with you. It, it seems like they want to go young here, and I can appreciate that. But uh, like you said, if you were looking to get a fan base, it, it's it's hard to keep selling a team that's one seven and one. Especially in that area, there's just you're in a college town with a college with a lot of sports going on, especially in the winter. Iowa basketball, Iowa wrestling are huge, and that's that's tough to go up against if you're going to be a team in your sport in which you're not winning in. So I just. You know, I'll repeat it. I just wish this team would have mixed in some hardened ECHL veterans to go with the young guys that guys that know their way around the league and aren't going to be phased by a long bus ride to go play a game in Cincinnati or Wheeling, West Virginia. So I just don't know what direction this team's going to go in and. Hopefully the ownership group is in Coralville for the long run. It's tough when it's the ownership group is not local where there's no loyalty to the area or to the fans down there. So I know they do have a good fan base, but it's small and it's building down. Frankly, I don't think the schedule's done them any favors. Your last two games have been at home have been Sunday afternoon games and even with no NFL team in Iowa, it's tough to convince people to go out to go to a hockey game when you've got all kinds of NFL games being played on your TV at home. So hopefully this team will start winning some games and have some home games on some Friday and Saturday nights and get people out to Extreme Arena and give them something to cheer for. Yeah, they have an interesting week as well. So I head to Kalamazoo on Wednesday. You're going to spend Thanksgiving out on the road as you're going to travel to Indy on Friday um, and then uh, come back on Saturday to host Cincinnati for a couple of games here. So um, an opportunity in your division to make some noise, but that's not a very easy week, especially considering you're going to spend Thanksgiving eating Thanksgiving dinner somewhere, some some hotel or or whatever that they can find out there. And, and, um, for a, a team trying to get that momentum that you're talking about, trying to find that that way to start getting those those um, victories that really build some momentum, this this could be a very challenging week for this team. So you mean to tell me they're playing Wednesday night and then doing a three and three on Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yes, they are. You are right about that. Wow, that's that that is rough. That's ECHL hockey, Kevin. So. That happens a few times a year for each team out there, and it's uh, it's a tough week. I mean, I feel bad for those guys out there, uh, and it's a spot too where you have to, you got to have two goaltenders that you can count on. You know, and sometimes you can get away with on the three on three weekends. Sometimes the team will go with all th- the goalie, uh, their primary goaltender, all three games, but you have that second guy to come in in the in the middle game. But when you have four and five. You need two goaltenders to deliver two games for you. And they bring in Trevin Keselowski back. They're coming back over here from Cincinnati, uh, the Army grad um, coming in here. And, and, you know, he knows the system. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's a good move that winds up getting them some opportunities to stay in games. We'll see what happens uh, with Minnesota. That's that's going to be the start of it. If Fleury's back, that gets McIntyre back down uh, to Des Moines, and that gets Hunter Jones back to Coralville. 
you might even see them keep Kozlowski around just to have a maybe all three of them play Kaspersky, Jones, and and then Kozlowski maybe all play a game apiece on that weekend just to try to keep things fresh. That that's a very wise thought there, and it would be a good move by the club for sure. So one seven and two, uh, currently in last place in the Central Division. Central Division. Five points behind Kalamazoo, who they, again, will take on on Wednesday night, then travel on to Indy, top team in the division, tied with Cincinnati, but pl- uh, played two more games. So um, technically Cincinnati has the better winning percentage at this point, but then they have Cincinnati for two games. So, uh, man, not a the schedule, as you said, has not been friendly to this team at all early on here. So, wow. Well, that's an exciting week out there in the Minnesota Wild System. Go ahead, Kevin. It's just going to be tough in general. When you look at the geography of the league, there's really not like a easy road trip this team will ever have without getting a team in. You know, it would be nice if somehow like Quad Cities would end up in the ECHL again, just to give the give Iowa a regional rival. When you think about it. And minor league hockey fans like to go on the road and support their team too, and and boy, with the way this division is laid out, unless you really like to travel in the winter, <laughs> it's just um, it's difficult to really build those rivalries in which the fans can get into. Also, and here's an interesting dynamic to this too, Kevin, is that. Uh, after those two games against Cincinnati, that so Kansas City will come to town for a game on Wednesday night. Then they head across the border to go up there to Quebec and, and face, face uh, Trois-Rivieres, the Trois-Rivieres Lions for a couple games, then stay in Canada to go to Newfoundland, which is, from what I've understood, a great place to play hockey, but not a fun place for a visitor because they are very tough there. But three games there. So, uh, man, five games in Canada over a eight, nine, ten-day period, and this team is going to be gassed, I think. I think so. I think we'll find out a lot about the character of this team, if they're going to quit or if they've got some got some character to them. Absolutely. Should be exciting. Well, Kevin, uh, you, uh, we've had some great thoughts from you about going on the in the Minnesota Wild System over the last couple of weeks out there. So as we're heading into Thanksgiving, uh, here, an exciting time out there. Uh, any uh, any thankful thoughts or, or that you want, that want to talk about a little bit with the, something going on out there with one of the teams? Well, I just, you know, I think of Thanksgiving, and it's kind of neat. You know, a tradition of mine is, has become going to the wild game on Thanksgiving the, on Black Friday and then catching the game afterwards. I've done it before where I've gone to a Minnesota Gopher game after a wild game. I've done a Old Town Express uh, Junior Hockey League team game when they're still around. I believe two years ago I went to, or I think last season it was, I went drove, if you know your Minnesota geography, I drove from the Twin Cities down to Austin, Minnesota, which is close to the Austin-Iowa border. And went did a wild Austin Bruins doubleheader. Well, this year's going to be fun. I'm going to do a a wild the wild game on Black Friday against Toronto, and then just heading south about ten fifteen minutes and checking out the the upstart Division One St. Thomas Tommies as they take on the Lake Superior Lakers on 
Friday night. So looking forward to a doubleheader that day. So it'll be a fun weekend of hockey. I'm going to check out Mason City versus uh, Austin down to Mason City on Saturday night. Nice rink down in Mason City that's only a few years old. Then I'll be right back in St. Paul on Sunday. So it'll be a fun weekend of hockey. And that's what I'm thankful for. Well, i got to say, Kevin, that's pretty impressive that you're going to get up at 3 a.m. to go Black Friday shopping and then spend the rest of the day doing <laughs> hockey. <laughs> I'm going to be to the store is walking by the hockey lodge, and they don't need any more of my money. Awesome. Kevin Luco, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, my pleasure, Rob.